Yo, what's up, everybody? Season four is rolling on here at the People of Packaging podcast. I got to interview Sean Well, Sean is with High Cone, and we talk about sustainability. We talk about packaging. We talk about his journey into packaging and, and where he's gone and what he's done. You're going to get a lot of incredible, incredible information from this interview. And speaking of getting great data and great information, this uh, episode is being sponsored by Retail Aware. Listen, Retail Retail Aware is going to let you increase your ROI faster. For the first time, you get an accurate and precise way to track shopper behavior around your products in the store. Their data is going to help you make smarter and better decisions faster, whether it's understanding the shopper journey, doing A-B testing, activity heat mapping, temperature controls, all of the things that you need to know that are happening in the stores today. Stores are opening back up. Retail locations are opening back up. Understand your shopper. Get better information. Get better data. Go to www.retailaware.com. Click the little button up there that says Contact Sales. Uh, get an evaluation on what you can do to get better information so that you can make better decisions and help move your products. All right, let's get into this interview. I'm so stoked for it. Sean is a great interview. You are not going to want to miss this episode. Please also remember to like and subscribe and rate and share the podcast as we continue to grow. We're over 20,000 downloads. It's crazy, 20,000 downloads. Uh, so please, uh, help us spread the word, um, and let's get into this interview with Sean Welch. All right, so I am here with Sean Welch, and Sean, I'm going to let you kind of do an introduction for yourself. We've got to spend a little bit of time talking pre-call. Um, I had to make a quick swap on my background to make sure that that Mike was uh, prevalent in our conversation because you are currently in Chicago. Uh, we got to connect up a little bit over basketball. Um, we could probably spend the whole podcast talking about basketball, I'm sure, in the current state of the NBA, but we're going to get into something that's really exciting, which is the current state of recycling at some point. But before we get into that, Sean, welcome to the People of Packaging podcast. Thanks for being on. Adam, it's appreciate, I appreciate the opportunity to talk with you. Uh, again, as you mentioned, it was good to connect on another level in basketball in, in Chicago, but uh, I really do appreciate the opportunity to talk about packaging. It's, it's top of mind for us and and uh, the things that you're doing in, in the podcast world and uh, to help bring awareness to this is, is critically important to the work. So uh, thanks for having me. Yeah, I appreciate it. So you had mentioned that when we were talking kind of pre-call that you moved around. So um, what's sort of your journey into packaging and then through packaging? So what was life like? There's very few people that I talk to who are like, I wanted to be in packaging from the time I was a kid. Um, yeah. You know, like in fifth grade, I was going to be a rapper named Candy Cane. True story. Yeah. Uh, that did not pan out, thankfully, for all of us. But um, like, I didn't even think about packaging until actually I was in my mid twenties is when I got into it. So what was yeah. your journey like into the packaging space? Where yeah. did you grow up and how'd you get, how'd you get into it? Yeah, sure. Uh, so uh, I grew up in Memphis, Tennessee. Uh, I, uh, uh, I happened to be, uh, living in proximity, uh, to a Kellogg's plant, uh, which was, uh, you know, big industry, uh, everybody in that worked in the, in the area who worked at Kellogg, you know, had wonderful jobs. And so uh, I understood the, uh, the context of, 
you know, Kellogg's and the Kellogg's box and the Frosted Flakes box and the things were on the back. And I was always fascinated by that. Nevertheless, my dream was to be an NBA, um, an NBA star, right? So, uh, you know, the people thought I was good enough in the seventh grade to project that on me. And then uh, I, I went down a path of uh, just being somewhat mediocre at basketball to the point where I stopped in college. But um, did you play you know, in college? I did. I, I walked on my first year. Um, okay. Where at? And, uh, Xavier University in New Orleans. Oh, yeah. Um, and so I do have uh, to NBA. One of my uh, teammates and classmates is an NBA ref right now. Um, cool. So Derek Collins, he's number 11. Have you ever seen him? He's out there. I've probably um, yelled. I've probably said something mean about him. I'm sure. He, he's a good dude. Shout out to Derek, DC, we call him. Um, cool. So he's a good dude. But anyway, um, you know, I uh, so. I always knew I wanted to be in, uh, in business, uh, certainly uh, majored in business uh, with a concentration in marketing, um, went through the process in college to uh, look at different opportunities coming out of college and uh, happened to get opportunities in the consumer packaged goods space, right? So uh, that was the start. And I started out, uh, fortunately, with Kellogg Company um, coming out of college. Oh, cool. So it kind of came full circle a little full bit. Full circle. Yeah, full circle. Uh, I, that territory started out in Memphis, Tennessee. And uh, in that, I uh, became intimate with, you know, retail packaging uh, at a very, very um, close level, right? You know, store sets and moving products around and setting up displays, uh, seeing how consumers engage with, you know, the products. And you go to a cereal aisle, you see the multiplicity of, of brands that are out there and how they're being expressed. And so it was always amazing that, you know, the package actually communicates to, uh, to the consumer. And so uh, that was a, a building block. Uh, I spent 20 years with Kellogg's in various different roles across the U.S. Um, in uh, different leadership positions around sales and marketing. Uh, ultimately ended up in, um, in Battle Creek, Michigan as the head of uh, the sales organization for one of the, one of the divisions uh, and uh, was doing well in that space and then got challenged uh, by a recruiter to have a conversation with another CPG company, Sarah Lee, here in Chicago. And uh, I took the opportunity and left 20-year uh, career with, with Kellogg, went to Sarah Lee, um, doing kind of the same thing, same customers, you know, consumer package space, different, different categories. Uh, so seeing a breadth of, you know, how pet products end up in the marketplace and how uh, they're expressed through packaging. Uh, part of that is to drive growth. And when you drive growth, you're looking at innovation uh, and how you differentiate. And so I, I felt like always that there was this opportunity when dealing with innovation and differentiation of the products that the, you know, that the packaging was under leveraged in terms of that differentiation mm. uh, for a number of reasons, the way consumers see it, recognize it, the way they engage with it uh, when it's in their home, uh, and then how functional it, it may be as well. Um, and then we started to see uh, the context of, you know, sustainability as a part of a value proposition that's differentiating certain package, uh, packages and brands from others and how that, right. that could be a good way to, to, to separate. And so um, four years into Sarah Lee, uh, it was kind of the same thing. So I'm 24 years into it, you know, kind of the same cycles and I saw an opportunity uh, to move into packaging because I understood how consumer packaged goods companies work, understand what the innovation cycle is. And I felt like we can certainly make a, a value add to any packaging company to understand how CPGs work, 
in order to get CP packages for further in their equity development versus at the end. What ends up mm. happening is companies go through 36 months of, of uh, development and then they decide to put it in the same package that they put everything else in is wonder why it doesn't really sell or is, is differentiated. So uh, that's a long story to say that, you know, I thought packaging would be a good place to express my uh, capabilities and my experience and to add value. And so I went to work for a company, a glass company, uh, which uh, makes uh, all of the glass uh, for the beverage and, and food, uh, food industries uh, is the leading one. Uh, and uh, in that I had, I led sales and, and innovation design and uh, with a heavy emphasis on innovation around sustainability. Uh, glass cool. is endlessly recyclable. Uh, it's uh, you can, you can recycle it uh, over and over again. And so I, I joined, uh, I joined Owens, Illinois uh, in that capacity. And so um, with an eye to development around sustainability and, and design and, and product differentiation around glass. And uh, I had a couple of choices. Uh, the other choice I had in, in that expression was to go to a, a paper packaging company, which I'm, I'm excited I did not. And so, uh, and it was because of the sustainability angle, right? Um, you know, I, I spent seven years with that organization uh, on the commercial side, then I moved into a general management role for one of the larger businesses. And, uh, and, and with that, uh, uh, got the opportunity to, to meet uh, some people at ITW and uh, to uh, explore an opportunity in their packaging group, uh, which I was excited to do. And so I joined ITW two years ago as cool. the VPGM of Hycom. Um, and and that's how I got. Uh, that's how I got into. That's a long story to tell you how. Man, how that's I got great. Packaging, right? But uh, I've got uh, it, was, I've, it was purposeful, right? I've got so many questions uh, yeah. on that, uh, and I will. I will hold my Penny Hardaway love uh, at at bay. Yeah, we'll don't really do that. Derail. We'll, we'll really derail man. this conversation. I met him <laughs> last year, uh, two years ago actually. I was out at uh, I was out at a practice. Uh, it was the one where. Uh, James Wiseman actually got hurt in front of a bunch of NBA scouts. It was pretty, it was pretty oh, crazy. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, him and Mike, when Mike Miller was there, uh, it was kind of fun. Um, so I, I like what you said here and I want to talk about high cone in a second. Um, uh, I loved this, this statement I wrote down here, uh, moving packaging forward in equity development. I've never heard it put that way. Um, how has that transition from, you know, from college into CPG and now into packaging, do you find that that's a difficult conversation to have with brand owners? Like, how are you, how have you done that throughout your career in sales yeah. leadership of, because I, I completely agree. Like I'm in, I don't do podcasting full-time. I do sales and business development for a packaging company. And a lot of people who listen to this do. And so it's such a, that's such a big part of it is how do we get upstream you know, shout out to all my procurement people, but like, you know, we, we want to work with everybody because it deals with marketing. It deals with compliance. It deals with engineering, uh, with sales, you know, with innovation. So how has that been for you throughout your sales career, especially as you kicked over from the CPG industry to OI and then also to ITW and Icon? Yeah, that's, a, I mean, I think that's a key. I'm glad you picked that up because I think that's critical. Uh, you know, Adam, where I learned that is when I was working at Kellogg's, one of my stints was to be uh, the go-to-market strategist for innovation. So I worked 
uh, on the business, but I worked also with the, the research and development team to develop products. And as I mentioned, you know, it was a, you know, it's scientific. I mean, they think about, you know, flake, you know, flake consistency and how, how quickly it dissolves in milk. And it's just a number of different technical elements that go into a 36 month process. And never is there a discussion about how does this get packaged, right? right. And, and, and it's just an assumption based on the, the installed asset base of these companies that they have certain ways that they package product and it's at the end of the line, it's not in the beginning. And so as you think about differentiation in the marketplace and how consumers engage, there could, there could be a way that you can bring packaging to play that makes it differentiated. You didn't change anything inside, right? You know, so ketchup is an example, you know, where, you know, the bottle, now you go to the squeeze and now it's, it's a different, it's a different value proposition. Uh, and so we thought, we felt like, you know, we need to do something different. And we had some, some brands that we were trying to differentiate. And so we changed the packaging element of it and it actually brought the attention. So that was the key. And, you know, and, and, and the idea is that in most cases, the procurement folks own the relationship with suppliers. Mm-hmm. And so they are the gatekeepers and they're there to, to drive efficiency and cost out and not necessarily provide some kind of upstream uh, ideas around how the product and the brand can differentiate. And if you can get, so my experience has been, if you can bring your value proposition to play and make sure that the person who owns the equity of the PNL and the financial decision-making to understand the importance of the packaging, the element, the form, the shape, the productivity, the recyclability, all of those things, there's things that they can, they can point to in the value proposition that's differentiated. And then that becomes a non-negotiable for the, for the procurement group. You can't mm-hmm. negotiate this package. You might be able to negotiate the price at some point, but the fact that we're going to use this element, this substrate, uh, this size, this shape, you know, now it's a part of the brand on as opposed to the brand saying, I have this, this liquid or I have this product that I love and I'm going to throw it over the fence and let the packaging people decide how it goes to market. If you can get upstream, you got a better chance. Right. Yeah. hundred percent. Uh, before we move on to high cone, I, I, I need to ask, it's, it's a, this is a, a podcast, so it's audio, but I've been asking this for a while. There's a painting, uh, that's in your background. Is that, yeah. do you, is that like, is that a personal piece of artwork for you? Or is it just like you're in a conference room and you're like, I don't even know what this is. No, this is in my house. So okay, cool. uh, this, is, this is a this is a piece that was made uh, from an artist in Houston, uh, and it's called Spiritual Observation. Mm. And uh, and so it's just uh, it's abstract in that way. And apparently uh, my wife couldn't walk out of there without getting it. And so here it sits. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, that would probably be another uh, yeah, another fascinating rabbit rabbit hole to go down as I'm yeah. a uh, I'm an ordained uh pastor as well. So I'm sure there could be some, I, and, and I love art. So that would be, you got some layers. Fun. Yeah, you can, I mean, you can, uh, it's, it's, it's a beautiful piece and I'm, I'm fortunate to have it's it. It's really cool. Backdrop. Yeah. Um, sorry for anyone who is just listening to this podcast and you just <laughs> lost us for the last 15 seconds, but we're back. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, uh, so let's talk about high cone here for a second. And, um, you know, maybe, uh, for, for people who are listening, um, you're part of ITW, but what, what is it that Hycone does? You know, what's kind of your, we'll call it, as you're talking about packaging being market differentiation, how does Hycone differentiate yourself within the space that you occupy? Yeah, so uh, Hycone, we, we consider ourselves a functional partner to brands. 
that helps uh, with their multiple multiple packaging uh, configurations, right? So um, think of it as a way as you know to transport the product uh, from production to uh, through a supply chain through consumers uh, consumption uh, occasion and doing so very effectively, but doing so with minimal amounts of material, right? So uh, what we don't do is take away from uh, the packaging equity, the color, the branding, uh, the shapes. We actually enhance those by being, uh, being present, but not being uh, the hero, not being uh, mm -hmm. the focal point. Um, and we do so with minimal amount of packaging. So we, we call it the minimal amount of, of material with the maximum amount of uh, efficiency and impact. And so that's uh, in essence, what we do is uh, we, we enable uh, multiple packs to move through the supply chain uh, in a way that's, um, that doesn't drive waste. Is there a specific um, medium that you use to enable that? Like, are you doing, you know, films or is it paper or? Yeah, so our current configuration and solution is through is through film, uh, so mm -hmm. plastic film. It's uh, it's low density polyethylene number four is what we currently use. Um, you know, and I, I can tell you the story. And you know, this this business was invented uh, out of sustainability. So in this in the late fifties, early sixties, when there's a lot of attention toward deforestation and the use of trees and paper and, you know, waste and, you know, ozone layer, kind of the climate thing. Uh, we, uh, we were looking for a way to um, move packages through the supply chain for the beverage industry. And uh, we used a number of different mediums like steel. Uh, and we tried that and we put a bunch of Budweiser's on a truck with steel clips for six packs and shipped it to California and they opened the truck and everything fell out and one by one. Uh, and so we found out, yeah, they're good to hold these packages, but they're not good through the supply chain. So we look for ways through, you know, it was an invention of somebody had some paper or some plastic and they punched some holes in and it held something together and dropped it on the floor and it held together and like, hey, we may have something. So, um, so that's a, it's a, it's an opera, it's a property that is has minimal amount of material for the maximum amount of strength through the supply chain. And again, it stays out of the way. And so that's, mm -hmm. uh, that's the proposition. Yeah, and we're going to dig into sustainability here in a second. And I think it's it's important. And and I've I've said this multiple times on the podcast. Maybe people are tired of hearing me talk about it, but um, the packaging sustainability has has a little bit to do with material and end of life. But when it comes to packaging, our primary role is just what you talked about: is to make sure that products can move throughout the entirety of the supply chain. Because the worst possible thing that we can do as packaging professionals is steer people into a direction that degrades the value of the project. I love that you said we're we're not the hero of you know we're not the focal point, but we're we're a we're a, a supporting actor, a supporting actress in this, right? So we're just trying to support through the whole supply chain. And so we, we should stop. I, I'm a huge advocate of this. Like we need to stop demonizing, fully demonizing materials that are effective at accomplishing, at, that are the most effective at accomplishing the primary task, which is to get a product from point A to point B with zero damage in a way that is, that, that carries the brand equity. Well, um, that is, you know, that is easy to use um, because one of the biggest enemies for sustainability right now is food waste, as an example. Exactly. And, and, and that happens post-industrial along with, you know, post-consumption. So it's not just like, oh, I got too much on my plate. 
at a at a Vegas buffet after Pack Expo, a lot of it is happening throughout all of the supply chain, right? And we're just oh, losing food because and and uh, there was a study done in India that like poor cold chain packaging is contributing to that in in that country to the tune of like hundreds of millions of dollars of loss. And so, um, you know, like I said beforehand, like I I am definitely not a like well, all plastics are bad and we got to go to all paper. We got to go to all aluminum, whatever it is. It's like, no, we need to take all of the available materials that we have today and, and look at it and say, what's the best way for this to happen? So, um, that's, that's beautifully said, man. I, um, I couldn't agree more. And, and, uh, you're on the team, uh, <laughs> to help, to help in this, in this, uh, crusade, right. Uh, education, right. Yeah. Uh, you know, we, we call it, to, to your point, we call it, you know, we, people have, are well-intended, right? And they, they, they get symptoms and they try to, you know, eliminate those symptoms without understanding the root cause uh, and the unintended consequences with that action, right? So mm. when you go ban something, you know, you ban plastic, if, for instance, it is very, very useful in preserving food and eliminating food waste. And you, if you eliminate that, then you now you have a, a, an additional issue that's compounded right with you know, what you're trying to solve so it's good to take a step back you know and uh make sure we understand what we're trying to accomplish but yeah well said on your part oh thanks appreciate it so uh you had a a quote in and this i think it came from the state of recycling that you guys put out uh but it was um basically like collectively we can and i, and I liked the i liked the there's sort of some double entendres in there, right? Like, yeah, because it's talking about like, how do we effectively collect, you know, waste and how do we process it and how do we contribute to circularity? And, um, you know, certainly we have to continue to be, to be on that. But, uh, when, when the, the interview was set up, uh, this quote was kind of part of that by working together through focused and purposeful actions, we can all help make these goals a reality. So how, how are you and how is Highcone uh, contributing to these, these collective goals that we're all trying to achieve together? Like, I, let me, I, I tell everybody, nobody wakes up. I'm never in a meeting and somebody says, uh, you know what we're really trying to do is be worse for the environment with our packaging. So if we can just like slaughter some baby seals, if we can use their blood as the ink and really get like a Delta two on like seal blood, for our color. That's really what we're aiming for. Like nobody says this kind of stuff. Like nobody's trying to, as you said, like everyone's well-intentioned, no brand is out there trying to be worse for the environment. Um, so I, I, I mean, I'm almost to the point where I'm like, we need to kill the adjective sustainable packaging and just talk about packaging because all packaging aims to be sustainable, right? Like it's not all sustainable, but it all at least has an aim to be that. So there's my yeah. little mini, my little mini soapbox. That's a good one. That's a good one. Um, but so, but, so talk, talk about how you guys are contributing to the, to the circularity to, yeah. you know, like the, maybe not even the narrative of plastics that, that exists out there because it's tough to change narrative sometimes, but 
Um, sure. What does that look like from from Hycon's perspective? Yeah. So I, Adam. Well, first of all, I appreciate you recognizing uh, the uh, nuance around the words, right? Because it's 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 intentional, and we have a very talented marketing group that you know that we we tool over. Like you know, we don't have a lot of space and time, so we have to be very precise about what we say and what we do. And it collectively, is a number of things. And I think you talked about it. But the other side to it is. That we recognize that there's, you know, to your point, this isn't necessarily about, you know, intentions. It's about education, right? And knowledge and understanding. And then once once you get that knowledge and understanding, then it's hard for you, if you well intended, to do to, to continue to do that. So you have to make some changes. And so we believe that 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 change, uh, in in you know, certainly in our research, consumers validate it. Uh, that there is a, a need to uh, have a collective view on how to, to deal with end of life waste uh, of materials, right? Um, and, you know, sometimes there's a pointed, you know, the people like to point fingers or there's a pointed finger around, hey, that's the producer's responsibility, or hey, that's the consumer's responsibility, or no, it's the, the government's responsibility and regulatory responsibility, and it's the, you know, and it's all, and it's everybody's responsibility, right? Mm. And so we're saying that everybody has a role to play in making this work. It can't just be, you know, one entity. It can't be the NGOs by themselves, they have to have cooperation with industry. Industry has to cooperate with legislation. Legislation has to cooperate and put situations in place or incentive in place for industry to actually invest in infrastructure in order to bring this about. Uh, you know, we need to see the value of you know recycled content in the context of LCAs or life cycle um, mm -hmm. analysis. All those things collectively come together. So. You know, people say at, at, at ITW, you guys can't make the difference by yourself. And no, we can't. Um, but we what we can do is we can continue to engage with stakeholders across the value chain, um, front to back to say, you know, we all have a, a collective responsibility here uh, to do better, right? Yep. And make a, a continuous improve. And once we know that, then we can start a path by doing that. And you can't just turn it out overnight. You gotta, you gotta make steps because everything's connected. Uh, and so we, we believe it's a, a holistic view around how to get it done. And it's not one's place, but everybody has, has a part. And that's how, we, that's how we're looking at it. Uh, one, and we start, and let me just say, we start with you know, ourselves, right? Look at yourself in the mirror. What are we doing? Well, we, we think we have a product that's very efficient over the last 60 years, been very effective uh, in doing what it's supposed to do. Now, we could stop on that and, and you know, stop on our laurels and say, yeah, we we got the we got the fix, but we we don't have the fix. And so what we've done is we've actually we're recreating our portfolio with that in mind. And so we you know we went out and seek we sought some partners uh, on the on the raw material side to bring us post consumer recycled content so we could take you know that which was going to landfills and bring it back and put it into our our, our process. Um, that was a, a supply chain that we had to create ourselves. We had partners who gave us virgin material that did not have an interest to find another alternative until such time as we said, well, no, we're going to go do this. And now they're in a part of it, right? So now they're, right. they're engaged. So now more people are getting involved with this activity. There's going to be more uh, recycled content available for manufacturers to use or reuse in this process. So we start by reinventing our, our process to include post-consumer recycled content, um, and then we also doing other things very publicly statements around, you know, pursuing 100% biodegradable 
compostable and or curbside recyclable by year 2025. So, mm. I mean, we're making bold statements about what we're doing and we're you know, organizing our resources and making investments uh, to bring that forth. That's awesome. I was on a, um, it was a Q&A panel uh, the other day with the Global Hemp Association and the questions were all around, you know, hemp-based uh, films and hemp-based papers and w- what role could something like hemp play? And so I, I, I tell people this a lot that our, what we are doing today is certainly not enough. But the, the thing that really invigorates me from like through the podcast and, you know, just through like interactions on LinkedIn and things like that is that the, the people that I talk with is who I believe in. Like, I believe in the innovation. I believe in the, in the, the foresight of, you know, people like yourself and, and companies that are like, okay, well, we, we need to take steps. Um, you know, what we're doing right now, we know is not perfect but it's the best that we have right now to accomplish, again, the primary goal of making sure that products return. But just know that we are working with like, like this, this collective of government and brand and manufacturer and consumer to make sure that by 2025, by 2030, by 2035, that you know maybe we're at negative carbons, maybe the, the carbon emissions, maybe the question in 2050 is, well, shoot, we're heading towards another ice age. Like, how do we, how do we make sure that we we keep our our climate warmer? You know what I mean? I'm, I'm not saying I'm not like prophesying that or anything. I'm just saying like that would be the a swings. pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, that would be that would be a pretty cool problem to have to solve collectively. Um, and so I just think it's I think it's it it's it's cool to hear you be you know very like honest. Hey, this is where we're at. It's kind of our current state. But where we want to get to in the future, that's what we're working towards. So, you know, I love that you guys are po- uh, posting kind of the current state of plastic recycling. But when you go through the website, you see like future innovations, things that you're working towards. Um, and really, we should all be doing that, right? In the packaging industry, um, it's good for the environment, but it's also quite candidly really good for a packaging company's profitability. Because if you're on the leading edge of that, if you're the ones who are developing it, who are, who are people going to go to when that becomes a commercial reality? It, it's going to be you, right? So you're incentivized Hopefully. to do it. Yeah, yeah, that, that's, the, that's the goal. Of course, we want to be a solutions provider that's, you know, that's proven, right? And so part of you know, our articulation of our position uh, in awareness of, hey, here's where we are, where we're going, so that customers you know, can understand where we're going so that we can collectively get there uh, together, right? Because you know, ultimately, if they don't know what you're doing and they don't have a vision for where you're going, um, then how can they partner with you? How can you have a strategic partnership over the long term, right? It's very transactional and, and that's not what we want. We want a more strategic, uh, you know, alignment with our customers and with the marketplace and with the governments and legislators and influencers. Um, you know, we want to have a collective, you know, kind of a, approach to this, right? It's all about collaboration. Yeah, uh, to, to get it done. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Well, we have uh, collectively run up to the end of our time together, uh, which went really quick. And I had a feeling it would just based on our pre-call conversation. Yeah. Um, so this is kind of how I want to I want to maybe tie this up a little bit, Sean. And first of all, sure. uh, appreciative of not just coming on the podcast, but this is a small part of this large thing that that you're doing. Um, I'm I'm hoping this is the first of many conversations. 
uh, that we're able to have because I, I definitely have a lot more follow-up just personal curiosity and, and professional curiosity around, around some of the question or around some of the things that you guys are doing. Yeah. Um, but how, how would people get in touch with, uh, with High Cone and, and yourself? If someone, if someone else had follow-up questions, if they wanted to reach out, if they wanted to find out more, whether it's a brand or a packaging professional, what's the best way for them to contact yeah, you? So, so we have a website. So you can get in, get in contact with this www.highcone.com. Uh, hi, H-I-C-O-N-E. Uh, we also have uh, a, an active site that's talking about our efforts around uh, recycling in the marketplace. So it's ringrecycleme.com. So it's our uh, effort to build infrastructure to make sure that, you know, consumers who are intending to turn uh, ring carriers back into additional ring carriers for a second life, that they have an opportunity to do that if it's not available through their municipality, right? So we're, we're manufacturer-led recycling infrastructure, which we're investing in, which uh, is- Is that is a part, do you have partnerships with that? That is ours, right? Yeah, That's yeah, we do okay. have, yeah, you know, we do have partnerships with that. So, you know, in the U.S., uh, one of our partners is uh, Avangar Innovative, who um, is responsible for uh, helping us uh, recover uh, the uh, post-consumer recycled content. They process it for us, and then mm. uh, we put it back into our, our system. So a great partner. Uh, we're also expanding and uh, trying to get some retail um, outlets to also be collection centers uh, for those who want to do that as well. Uh, but those are the two places where you can go, cool. uh, Highcone or ringrecyclemy.com. And uh, of course you can, now you got my name, you can look me up on LinkedIn and, and engage through that too. Right. So I'll make sure to put the link on there. Cause when I tried to find you, there's a, you have, you have a common name, apparently I was like, man, oh, I, you know, I, I, I saw that uh, somebody Googled me and uh, I don't know any of those people. Right. So it's hard, <laughs> for, me to, hard for me to get a unique uh, 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 email address too. Right. So uh <laughs> That's fair. Yeah. I've got yeah. like the same no. name as like a Scottish rugby player or something like that. So I'm, yeah, good. you put it, if you put a P in the middle and then you, you put uh high cone in there, I'll jump up pretty fast. Right. Yeah. So. I bet. I bet. That's a, that's a pretty good intersection to, to search for. Yeah. Um, well, Sean has been fantastic. Uh, appreciate you coming on and, and yeah. uh, chopping up a little bit around, you know, just your story, uh, the, the industry at large and kind of the state of, of things of where we're at. And hopefully people can reach out and connect and learn more about ways, you know, download your, uh, the state of, uh, the state of plastic recycling, um, go to ringrecycleme.com or highcone.com, but all those links will be in the show notes. Um, okay, so you great. can, so people can click on them and, uh, head on out. So. Well, Adam, I, uh, again, I appreciate the opportunity to chop it up with you as well. Uh, I, I welcome the opportunity to do again. And so if you, see an opportunity, uh, you want to talk more. Uh, this is, this is certainly, uh, enjoyable and, uh, a part of what we're trying to accomplish. So, um, the team can get, get us uh, connected and we can do it again. I'd love to. That'd be great. All right. Thanks, Sean. Okay. Thank you, Adam. Please make sure that you like, share, subscribe. Let's spread the good news and the joy that packaging can be in the world. You can find this podcast anywhere that you listen to podcasts. We appreciate the ratings and the comments and the sharing. It's only going to keep getting bigger because packaging is awesome. <laughs>